see everyone. Welcome to you guys. It's good to, to look out and, and, and be here in person after the last couple weeks that were kind of crazy on weather and we were a little worried about today, but uh, it ended up being a great day. We had a, it, it's kind of been an unusual year a little bit. Usually in the, in the wintertime, our second service, our 11 a.m. service becomes the bigger service, but this year the 915, the earlier service has stayed full. Uh, so it's been a little crazy. People like the earlier time a little bit better, but I'm really glad you guys have chosen to be here. I, I've said before, the first service, they get to hear me. Uh, I'm a little more amped up. I'm a little bit more ready to go, but I'm all over the place. So by the time I get to the 11 o'clock service, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting a little older now, so I'm winding down a little bit, but I actually know what I'm talking You know, I'm kind of a little more clear this time, so you guys get the, the benefit of that. So uh, I'm just glad you're here. I want to welcome those watching online too. Uh, we're really glad you took time out of your Sunday to be with us. And if you're watching on our website at live.mycornerstone.org, take a minute and, and go up and hit that connect uh, with us button and just let us get to know you a little bit. You can share a little bit about who you are and we'd love to connect that way. Um, I, we're, before I jump in today, we're, we're in this series called Devoted and we're talking about how to be faithfully obedient over a long period of time. I don't know about you, but I, I want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? We want to we end the, the race well. Um, and so that's where we're going today. We'll be in James chapter 1. Before we get there, though, I've got just a few quick announcements, and then we'll jump in. Uh, one is that we have our free community meal coming up the 25th of this month. It's on Wednesday night. Um, if you want to help with that, we're doing baked spaghetti this time, so the sign-ups are online on our website, mycornerstone.org. You can sign up for that or mycornerstone.fyi. Uh, you can sign up and help with that. We need uh, plenty of people to bake some, some baked spaghetti trays for that, and uh, we'll be sharing a little bit more about that this week. So it's going to be a drive through meal again, uh, but we're, we'll be doing that the 25th. On the 28th, the, the last day of the month, we're doing our Discover Lunch. And so after our second service, uh, that's an opportunity for anyone new uh, to join us for a, for a, for a provided lunch um, in our new building after the service. Um, and we'll do, we'll, we get to share a little bit about Cornerstone, who we are, and, and our history, our mission, and where we're going. Um, you get to meet some of our leadership. So uh, if you're interested in learning more about Cornerstone, how to get plugged in, how to serve, how to, uh, just all that information, that, that's your opportunity to do that. And we do ask you sign up for that in advance so we can be prepared. Uh, but that's February 28th. And then um, we have life groups going on, and a bunch of those are starting up right now. So uh, we've got some that are virtual, some that are in person, some in home. So we're a little bit of a mix of everything right now. Uh, but we've got multiple groups going on right now, and you can find all those on our website as well. So I, I think that's all the announcements I've got. Um, but we are in this series called Devoted. Uh, a faithful obedience in the same direction. I, I love that because what we've been talking about is how we do the right things in the right way, uh, in the right spirit, right, for the right reasons over and over and over again. Um, one, one of the things that's always concerned me, and it always bothers me, really, and I, and I hope it bothers you some too, is when we look at the world around us and look at the, the wider culture in general, and we see so many people not finishing well in the Christian life. Uh, we see people making wrong choices. We see people uh, really quit going to church, quit reading their Bibles, quit really learning what it means to follow Jesus. And instead, we just see them kind of turn back to the world and, 
and, and follow the pleasures of the world rather than staying strong and standing firm in what we believe. And that's always just bothered me to see that. And, and so a part of the reason for doing this series is to help us learn what does it look like to be faithfully obedient over a lifetime. That's really our goal. Uh, it's not just what can we do today. It's how can we stay faithful tomorrow, the next day, next week, next month, a decade from now, 20 years from now, 40 years from now. What does a life like that look like? This morning, I really want to address one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest misconceptions, one of the biggest reasons that I see that people don't stay devoted. And I think that is one of the biggest misconceptions I see is that many people believe that once you become a Christian, that you will not have any problems in life. I've heard that. I've seen it. I think people, you know, I've given my life to Jesus and I'm still having all these issues. Why even try? It's kind of how that's phrased, right? Or, or why, why, does it, why, do, why are bad things still happening in my life, right? I, I thought when I became a Christian, all this was supposed to get better. And I, a lot of people had that, have that mistaken idea that, hey, I've become a Christian. Now it's going to be smooth sailing. When we started this series back a few weeks ago, uh, we read it at the beginning of James chapter 1. I want to go back and review it. It said, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You know, James just opens up the, this, this letter from the very beginning and says, When troubles come your way. When troubles happen, Right? Uh, when troubles come your way, when you encounter, whether in some translations are trials or tests or troubles, but when we face those things and you're going to face them, it's not a question of if they happen. It's a question of when they happen. When they happen, it's an opportunity for joy. When they happen, it's an opportunity for us to grow in Christ's likeness. It's an opportunity for us to be shaped in the image of Christ. It's an opportunity for us to become mature. It's an opportunity for us to understand more about Jesus. And so are we prepared for those tests, for those trials, for their troubles? Do we know what to do when they happen? Now, when we grew up, and I think they still do it, we had fire drills in school, right? And so uh, you would, what would happen, you know, they'd set off a fire alarm and, and they would usually, you know, we'd have to all line up and march outside and stand there and no matter if it was cold or what. And, and at the time you're like, this is so stupid. Why are we doing this? You know, it's like, why? I mean, you're like, this is just a waste of time, but you're doing it to be prepared in the event that something bad happens. So we're prepared. So you know how to respond. The hope uh, is that when you, if an actual fire does occur, that everybody knows how to respond to it in the right way. Now, I share that because I feel like we're not prepared in our Christian life for the troubles that are coming our way. We know they're going to ha be happening. So how are we going to respond when they hit? Because so many people are just blindsided by, by the troubles that happen. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. And that's why you see people in, in the midst of the, the conflict, in the midst of the trial, the midst of the problem, they're like, 
I don't know, God, what's happening? Why is this? And they don't know what to do. We need to train. We need to prepare. We need to know how to stand strong. Because the reality is we're all going to encounter hardship and trouble and trials in our life. Now, we can ignore and we can think, well, why should we prepare? This is never going to happen. It's not going to happen to me. Uh, We can be obsessed about it, and that's not helpful either. What we've got to learn how to do is be prepared so that we can live that abundant life that Jesus has promised. Because John 10.10, what does it tell us? It says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to, to destroy, right? But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and you may have it to the full. You may have an abundant life. And and so I want us to to learn what it looks like to have that abundant life. To understand that Satan is, he wants nothing more than to destroy everything that good in our life. And so let's just kind of jump in. My first point this morning kind of follows up on that. It's trials can grow us. But temptations can destroy us. Uh, Trials can grow us, but temptations can destroy us. There's a difference, right, between a trial that God can use to grow us, uh, that He can use for our maturity, and a temptation that Satan can use to destroy us. And and we need to understand the difference. And James introduces us to this uh, in verse 12. So let's pick up there. He says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Again, there's a difference here. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted. Again, not if. This is, a, this is something that's going to happen. When you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And so what Satan wants to do, he wants to take our troubles, our trials that we go through in life, and turn them into a temptation for us to disobey God. He wants to to take those trials and the troubles we're facing and then throw a temptation out, right? Throw something in front of us that we uh, choose instead of God's plan. As you go through this first part of James chapter 1, the verses 2 through 12 are about our growth. They're about our maturity. They're about how we handle uh, the the, 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 the testing that comes our way, how that can be used, right, to, for maturity and, and to help us learn how to stand strong. But then when we get to verse 13, we get into this whole temptation and we get into this, this what happens when we give in to the temptation. And so what, what I want you to understand is that God does bring tests and troubles into our life at times, right, to help us learn uh, what it means to be a mature Christian. We see this throughout Scripture. But God never brings temptation into our life to disobey Him. He, brings tr- he can bring those, those, those tests in our life, right, uh, that, that help, um, help us really be prepared and, and they help shape us into who we need to be. Uh, they really, and we don't enjoy it at the time, but James says we count it all joy. That's, that's, we've got to understand why it's happening. But when 
the trial comes our way, we've got to understand there's often a temptation that goes with it. When we encounter financial difficulty, what are we tempted to do? We're tempted to say, God, you're not providing for me. Right? When we face uh, someone close to us passes away, we're tempted to say, God, don't you even care? Do you, do you love us? And when uh, we, we, you know, when we are facing sickness or disease, uh, the same thing. We're like, God, don't, don't you, why, why is this happening to me? Why? We don't understand. We start questioning who God is. And so we can take those things and allow God to use us, use those things for our, for our good and for his glory, or we can turn around and give in to that trial or that temptation and, and, and allow it to start destroying us. And so here's what we see in James chapter 1. We see two progressions take place. One progression is a progression for growth. It's what I would call God's plan for maturity. And, and this is what we see early in James chapter 1. We see testing leads to endurance. All right, we learn how to, to endure through the testing in our life. That endurance leads to perseverance. That perseverance that means we can, you know, we, we can hold on and we can keep going through it and, and we can stay strong. That leads to maturity. And, and I'll just tell you, right, when we see people that, that bail out at the first sign of trouble, what we see is a person that's not very mature. It's a person who's not learned endurance yet. And that maturity leads to the life that God has promised, that abundant life, that life that's talked about in James 1.12, that crown of life that we, uh, that we get all right, for enduring. That's God's plan for maturity. This is what God, and again, we don't, we like to think, but nothing, we don't want anything bad to happen. God, I, I want smooth sailing, but God wants to shape us. And sometimes it's those painful things that happen to us and around us that allow God to use us in a greater way. That allow God to, to, to touch our lives in such a way that we can have empathy and, and be able to, to minister to people who are hurting and who are in need. That's God's plan for maturity. But like everything, Satan has a counterfeit. Satan takes everything that's good and he tries to flip it around and Satan's plan is not a plan for life, it's a plan for destruction. And Satan's plan goes like this. It goes from deception to desire to disobedience to death. So again, this deception, let me kind of break these things down and talk about this a little bit. Deception. Do you realize that the root problem of sin is unbelief? It's not believing God. That's what causes us to sin. We don't believe God when he says something is best for us. So God says, this is my plan. This is what I've designed. This is the world that I've created and I've placed you in it. And we say, I don't like your plan, God. I'm going to choose my way instead. So, so that deception starts in our mind. It's our intellect. So the deception takes place and we like, and we see this all the way back in Right, we see this all the way back in Genesis 3. Did God really say? I mean, that's, that's how Satan tempted Eve, right? And, and Adam and Eve. And did God really say? And, and we see them, it starts with that deception. 
We start questioning who God is. We start questioning his plan. We start unbelieving. All right. And that's where sin starts. Then it leads to desire. The desire is when, you know, James says we are drawn away and enticed by our own evil desires. That, that, that whole phrasing, it's kind of a hunting, fishing terminology here, right? That there's a bait there. There's a trap set for us. And, and that's what Satan is doing. He's setting that trap for us. He's trying to figure out what the bait he can use uh, so that he can create, he, he can bring out a desire in us, right, for something that takes us away from God's plan and puts it on something against God's will. And so what sin does, it starts with our thoughts, our intellect that's disordered and it leads to a disordered desire. And we begin to want those things that ultimately will destroy us. So we have a desire for something that's not good, that ultimately can destroy us. But we, in the moment, we feel like that's what is best for us. And that leads us, um, right, that, that deception to the desire. The desire is really a matter of the heart. It's our heart, you know, it's turning away from what God wants and and putting it on something that's not good for us. 1 John 2.16 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from the world. That pride and the power and the prestige and uh, all this stuff, right? Uh, that's what we see in the world and we think, oh, I need that. But, but even though it ultimately will destroy us, we're blinded to that in, in the heart of the matter because we've bought into the deception that's led to this wrong desire. And that leads to disobedience. That leads to disobedience. Disobedience is simply choosing to sin, to believe Satan's lie instead of God's promise. Um, I read this this week, and it was kind of interesting. It said, um, we have moved from the emotions, the desire, and the intellect, the deception, to the will. And now we get to the will, right? James changed the picture from hunting and fishing to the birth of a baby. Desire conceives, uh, and he says that, desire conceives, and, and that's a method for us taking the bait. The will approves and acts in the result of sin. Whether we feel it or not, we are hooked, we're trapped. The baby is born and just wait until it matures. Christian living is a matter of the will, not the feelings. He says, I often hear believers say, I don't feel like reading the Bible or I don't feel like attending prayer meeting or church. And he says, children operate on the basis of feeling, but adults operate on the basis of will. They act because it's right, not as a matter of how they feel. So this explains why immature Christians easily fall into temptation. They let their feelings make the decisions. The more you exercise your will in saying a decisive no to temptation, the more that God will take control of your life. And so he's just saying here, right? We've got to learn as mature Christians to decisively say no, to make it a matter of the will, even when we don't feel like it sometimes. It can be times you don't feel like going to church. You say, you know, I, I just, I'll just stay home. I don't need to go to church. I'll just do whatever. There'll be times when you don't feel like reading your Bible. There are going to be times when you don't feel like doing the right thing. Let's be honest. Right? There are times when you're driving down the interstate, you don't want to be that friendly Christian, oh, hey, how are you doing? Right? There are times when someone cuts you off, that's not... It's a conscious choice 
It's a choice. It's, 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 it's an act of the will, not of your heart, right? To say, I'm going to show compassion and love and understanding and grace and mercy to the people around me. That's, that's a mature response. It's a, it's a decision of the will. And so when we disobey what we're doing, we're letting our emotions, we're letting our feelings, we're letting the, the momentary pleasure take precedence over what we know is right and what we know is true. So that's disobedience. And then finally, it leads to death. This is a result of disobedience. This is what should wake us up because that's where sin ultimately takes us. Separation from God for, for all of eternity. We see continual disobedience. We see uh, this disobedience give birth to death. We see, th- this, is just, this is scary because when we see people harden their hearts and we refuse to respond to God, it leads to a spiritual death. And so I just say that whatever sin that you are flirting with, we have to step back from it and and stand firm on God's promises, not on Satan's lies. Satan promises, he promises a lot that he cannot deliver on. And so again, right, uh, God has a plan that, that leads to life and Satan has a plan for temptations that can destroy us. And that brings me to my next point, that every single believer is going to face temptation. We talked last, last time about every believer is going to face test. It's not if, it's when. Now we're, we're getting, but we're also, every one of us is going to face temptations. And so I, I think this is, again, sometimes Christians get together in church and they're like, everybody acts like they have no problems, that they're strong, and they never have any temptation. We all face temptations. They're different. Every one of us has our own weaknesses, but we've got to realize that the temptation is real and it comes from within ourselves. Andy Stanley did a sermon series a while back called It Came From Within, and he he talked about the shocking truth of what lurks in your heart. And and we like to think, hey, I'm a good person. I've got a good heart. And we we say, you know, someone's got to, I don't care how good of a person you are, you still struggle with sin. You still struggle with temptation. Right, This side of heaven, we're going to have struggles. We're going to have temptation. And that's why Proverbs says we've got to guard our hearts above all else. For it determines the course of your life. We're going to struggle with temptation because we're not as good as we really think we are. That's just the sad truth that we're going to face temptation and it doesn't come from God. James is very clear. Don't, start, don't bring God into this. You know, don't say God is the one causing me to be tempted. And in fact, James even takes it a step further and says, don't blame Satan either. He says, Satan's not, you can't say the devil made me do it. When you sin, it is your choice. <laughs> Has anybody ever told you that? When you sin... It's not the devil's fault. It's your, it's your choice. It's a desire from within that you've given into. And, and so we have to, to see this, that we can't blame everyone. Matthew says it this way. In, in Matthew 15, he says, for, the, for from the heart come evil thoughts and murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. And the reality is we sin because we choose to. Now, I, I, you know, we can't blame it on God. We can't blame it on Satan. Uh, we sin because we want to. Now, the devil, he places stuff in front of us. 
He does that all the time. He places stuff in front of us to distract us, uh, to, to create. He, he wants to create those desires in us to take our eyes off of God and put it on that, those things that power and prestige and pleasure. That's what, that's what he, he wants to do. But it's still our choice. Now, uh, if, you're, if you watch sports much or you know much about elite athletes, you know that the very best athletes, what do they do? They study film. They study game film. To prepare for their opponent, they'll break down the film. They'll watch it. And what are they watching for? They're watching for the opponent's tendencies. So they want to know in basketball if they always go left or they always go right or what they do in this situation or what plays they run. And, and what are you You're trying to identify their weaknesses so you can exploit those weaknesses and use it to your advantage. It's what elite athletes do. I was listening to a, a podcast a few weeks ago. And it was talking about the, the late Kobe Bryant. And it was talking about Kobe. And it said that he called up his best friend one day and said, Hey, I want you to go with me. We're going to go swim with some great white sharks. I'm like, really? This is kind of, he's like, yeah. He's like, I want to study the, I want to study sharks. And they're like, why would you want to do that? He's like, I want to see how they stalk their prey. And I want to see if there's anything I can learn from watching the sharks that will help my basketball game. I mean, that's like some pretty serious devotion to go get with some great white sharks, right? So that you can improve your basketball game. And he did. And I mean, he was like, I mean, that's the level of preparation he was doing. He was looking for any way he could use to, to help his game, to help uh, exploit the weaknesses of, of his, opponent, of, of his opponent. And that's, that's what elite athletes do. They study the film to find the weaknesses. That's what Satan's doing against you. You realize that? Satan is studying the game film of your life. He's looking for how to exploit your weaknesses and, and provide opportunities for you to choose sin. And if we don't realize that, we don't re if we say, well, I don't really have temptation in my life, you better get ready because I'm telling you, sin can happen, right? Temptation can happen to anyone. The older I get, the more I realize that, man, I mean, I, I, I used to think, how could that happen? And, and week after week, you read stories of, of people falling and people doing, you know, sinful things and, and in the church. And, and I'm like, how could that happen? The older I get, the more I see how pride blinds you. And if you're not careful, uh, pride blinds you. If you're not careful, it can happen to anyone. All we have to do is take our eyes off of Jesus and when, as soon as we do that, Satan is right there waiting to exploit your weakness. So we have to be prepared. We have to be careful. We have to understand that. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. He says, we are not ignorant of his schemes. We're not unaware of what Satan is trying to do. We've got to be aware of the schemes that Satan is using because he is roaring around like a, you know, like a, a lion waiting to pounce on us. That's what's happening in life. We have to be aware. Satan wants us to blame something. He wants us to, to not take responsibility. Our culture loves doing that today. Well, it's not my fault. It's, it's the environment I grew up in. It's my parents. It's the government. It's the, you fill in the blank. We just fill in the blank. For, we blame everything on someone else because we refuse to take responsibility for our own actions, for our own sin. And I want you to know, right, it doesn't make you a weaker person to have struggles because Jesus came to heal the sick. 
It makes you a real person to acknowledge that there are temptations in your life. And if once we acknowledge them, then we can prepare for them. Then we can stand strong against them. Then we can recognize when that temptation is there. And we can turn from the temptation and believe the God's promise instead of Satan's lie. That's what we're talking about here. And, and really that brings me to this point is the, the reality is we've got to understand if we want to stand strong that God offers something better. When Satan offers us, you know, we see that temptation, we see that desire within us swell up. We've got to to say, wait a minute. We've got to acknowledge what that is. And we've got to say, God offers something better. Psalm 23 says this, for the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, I have everything I need. Do we believe that? That we have everything we need. If we do believe that, then why are we constantly chasing after what Satan dangles in front of us and says, hey, this is fun. This is what you need. This is what you, everyone else has it. You need this too. Why do we constantly chase after things that won't bring us pleasure, that won't bring us joy, that won't bring us fulfillment or contentment, but instead will bring us destruction? Because we don't believe that God is better. And so this really, this whole series is about living a life of integrity. Right? That integrity, being who we are, being who we said we would be, you know, being the same person, whether someone is watching or not. Um, I read this, Warren Wearsby said, A temptation is an opportunity to accomplish a good thing in a bad way out of the will of God. And we, we need to understand that temptations, God gave us desires, both good and bad. And it's how we use those desires that really show, right? Will we keep our eyes on Jesus or will we do it out of the will of God? And so really God... He wants us just to understand who He is. He's the perfect one. He's the one without sin. He's the Holy One. And, and, and so with God's help, we can live that life of integrity. We can stand strong in the face of temptation. James 1 verse 23, if we skip down a few verses, it says, For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and you do what it says, and you don't, don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And, and so, have we forgotten what our life is supposed to look like? That, that's the question for us. Have we forgotten what our life is supposed to be? When we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start following after every temptation that comes our way. And I'm telling you this. I think in our world today, we're seeing more and more temptation. We're seeing more and more things that draw us away from God. We see more and more things that can distract us from, from things of meaning and purpose in life. And so uh, with, with all everything that's happened during COVID-19 and the pandemic, this has not gotten better. I think it's gotten worse. We've got more distractions. That's why churches across the country, uh, I, I mean, I've shared a little bit about this, but you know, when the pandemic happened and, and churches shut down in person for a while and then started meeting back, most churches combined online and in person are about 60 to 70% of pre-COVID numbers. 
So what's, what's happened? Three out of ten people, three out of ten people are not even tuning in online. They're not in person. What have they done? They hit trouble. They hit hardship. And they're like, man, this is nice. I get my Sundays off. I can go to the lake. I can go hang out. I don't have to do anything. I just can be... What have what they done? They believe Satan's lie instead of God's promise. You see what happened? You see how the, something that happened in the world around us took our eyes off Jesus. And so that means for all of us, the work of the church is not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. As culture turns increasingly anti-Christian, it's going to be harder for us to reach the world around us. And so have we forgotten what our lives are supposed to look like? Have we forgotten God's plan for our life? What is the lure? What is the bait that Satan is using for your life? What is the game film that he's got on you? What is your weakness? We have to be honest with ourselves to start acknowledging those things so we can start, we can start making a defense against them. And that defense is God's word. We've got to get so into God's word and know who God is that when we see Satan's lie, we immediately recognize it for what it is. When we do that, it, it's amazing what happens. That's how we keep strong. Uh, I, I want to leave you with two verses. Um, uh, and one is Hebrews chapter 12. Um, and it's just, this is, I'm so thankful we have a God that loves us so much that He will correct us at times. He will, he will bring tests. He will bring discipline on our lives when we need it to bring us back, to get our eyes back on Him. And Hebrews 12 says it this way. Have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as His children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when He corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those He loves and He punishes each one He accepts as His child. Now, you may not like discipline. I don't think anyone does in the moment. But it reminds us of who our Father is. And there are going to be times in our life that our trouble, it's an opportunity. Do we choose to remember God's promises or do we look to Satan's lies? Where, where are we finding our hope for the future? I've seen people, they encounter trouble. What do they do? They immediately turn their back on God. If we're a Christian, we encounter trouble. We've got to recognize it. We've got to start saying, okay, God, how can you use this for my good and for your glory? That's Hebrews 12. And then Romans 8. Romans 8 is such an incredible promise we have for God. And we know that God who causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. So God can take everything you're going through in life, God can turn it around and use it for Him. God can use it for, for really for us and for His glory. And, and we see this. God can take even the worst circumstances, the worst things that happen in life, and God can use it for, for His good. I, I just share this, right? Just to say, I don't know what you're going through in life. In a room this size, a number of people watching online, I don't know what you're going through in life. You may have financial troubles. You may have family problems. You may have parenting troubles. You may have troubles with work. You may have troubles uh, with not even having a job. I don't know what your struggle is, but here's what I want you to know. God can use that to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. God can use it. And, and so instead of turning your back on God, it, we've got to... 
We've got to lean in. We've got to stand firm. We've got to build our house on the, on the solid rock, right? We've got to know that God's promises are better than any of Satan's lies. And so when we do that, it's, it helps us get through life. It means that we understand that life is not always going to be easy. And so this morning, uh, we're going to close with the time of prayer and the worship team's going to come back up and close with one more song. We're going to celebrate today, if that's all right with you guys. We're going to celebrate who God is and what He has done and that He is faithful and He's calling us to be faithful in our obedience. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful this morning. We're thankful for Your love. We're thankful for Your grace. We're thankful for who You are. And Lord, I pray for each person watching and listening today that they would be able to stand firm in their identity as a believer in Jesus Christ. That they know that they are saved, that they are born again, that they have put their faith and their trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone to save them. Your word tells us, Lord, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our hearts, God, that you raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. And so my, my prayer is that for everyone listening, watching today, that they would know who you are. That they would, they would know that you love them, that you care for us. That you have made a way for us to be made right with God. Heavenly Father, we, um, we're thankful for this morning that we can dig into your word, that we can challenge one another. When we go through hardships and troubles and trials in life, Lord, help us learn to lean on each other. Help us learn to, to not be afraid to ask for help. Help us learn to, to, to trust your promises, but to also trust those in the body of Christ that surround us. Help us to not grow weary. Help us to stand firm, even when the world is crazy around us. And Lord, I pray that you'll get the honor and glory from our lives as we learn to be faithful and obedient. We learn to be, uh, live a life of integrity. We learn to, to, to follow you day in and day out. And Lord, for all of us, we just want to stand before you one day and, and hear that good, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, I'm just so thankful for today, for this church, for us to be together in person. We need this so badly. After the last few weeks of bad weather, it's nice to be back in the, in the Lord's house today to, to worship, to celebrate, to thank, to thank you for who you are and for what you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.